You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Here we go again, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast hitting your ears right now. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be talking with serious, hardcore, and absolute slayer of a bow hunter, Rendell Eric. Uh, the dude is 6'8". He's a big dude, and he talks a little bit today, amongst other things. He talks about difficulties that he's had in the past finding boots or the proper draw length or you know the proper arrow length for someone who shoots a 33 inch draw um, and so uh, he talks a little bit about some of the complications that he has from being that big we also talk about how he chooses gear we also talk about um, what he looks for in equipment when it comes to I mean we talk about bows we talk about arrows uh, we talk about boots. We talk about climbing methods. We, uh, he hunts out of a saddle. We talk about clothing and layering and how to layer in a saddle. A whole bunch of really good conversation, and that's why I called this a BS session. And I think this episode is really relatable for uh, to the time of year because a lot of guys right now are cycling through their gear. They want to know if they need to upgrade or downgrade or get something different and uh this is the perfect time to have these types of conversations with yourself so i enjoyed i enjoyed listening to you know his thought process about gear not being what kills deer but the the woodsmanship and he just you know he's it almost sounds a little bit like he's indifferent about some of the 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 gear that he uses and more of the focus is is definitely on strategy for him so that's refreshing 
That's interesting. And I know you guys are going to like this episode. So before we get into it, though, we do have to talk a little bit about <clears throat> Code Blue Sense, right? Uh, this year, I have, you know, I've partnered with them and one, two, three, four, I've put out four, is it four or five, five mock scrapes and I'm hoping that they pay off, right? I have no, as of right now, I, uh, I have no idea if they're being used. Uh, the cell cameras that I hung up uh, over these spots, <coughs> wowzers, excuse me, they, they don't get access or they don't have cell coverage in those areas. Um, so I just have to wait and see until I have my first card pull in October and then I'll find out a little bit more about the deer that are, are using, using these mock scrapes if they're using these mock scrapes and I'll definitely talk about that. Uh, Code Blue also has um, scent elimination products, laundry detergent, deodorants, uh, the mock scrape kit, the um, synthetic and actual urine products. So the best thing to do is go to codebluesense.com, read up on all the products that they offer and see how it might fit your style of hunting. So uh, discount code there is NFC20 for 20% off. Uh, go support that. If you support this podcast, please go and support Code Blue. So huge shout out to Code Blue. Huge shout out to all of you. Hopefully you enjoy this BS session and uh, man, enjoy. I'm really looking forward to this upcoming season. Hopefully you guys are as well. Hopefully your gear is in order. You're practicing shooting your bow because we owe that to the animal, right? And so uh, man, it's getting close. And let's get into today's episode with Rendell Eric. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. And today, my guest is well-known hunter, Rendell Eric. Rendell, dude, what's up, man? Uh, just getting ready for deer seasons. Got a lot of a lot of states on the slate this year, so I'm trying to get all my ducks in a row. <laughs> you know, the way you've set your life up, I will say this, that there's a lot of jealous dudes out there of the lifestyle that you live like i'll be honest i wish i could hunt 40 days in a row i wish i could hunt seven states i wish i could you know we, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording i wish i could do what you're about to do yeah man i'm just blessed like i don't even know how i got here honestly <laughs> you just showed I, up yeah i just rolled up to the party man and just walked in and was like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, quick question. Does anybody need a full-time hunter? Because I will do that, right? And so um, we got we to gotta preface this, right? It's not, it's not like you're just going out and you're unemployed, right? Everybody's got to make money. But um, you're working, like in the past, you've worked with Tethered, I know. Um, and then you just had a new position. Where at now? Uh, Ozio gear. Ozio gear. All right. And so you're in the product development side of things and you're um, doing some management over there and working with those guys. Um, and, and ultimately, okay, first off, before we get into the gear talk, I want you to tell us what seven states you're going to be hunting this year. Man, do I really want to hotspot myself? I guess. <laughs> Well, you don't up. need to give us the WMAs, right? The, the oh, wild... yeah. Um, Missouri, Iowa, Alabama, uh, Kentucky, probably. I'm looking at, like, some wild cards, too, like uh, 
uh, Indiana, Ohio. And then I got a mystery state, but I can't talk about that because they'd hang me if I did. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I tell you what, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, following along this year and seeing how you slay. Are, are you going to be doing all public on all these spots? Most, I hunt like 98% public. I will hunt some free permission, but honestly, a lot of the free permission you get, the hunt, the public's better to me. Like yeah. you get, you got the permission for a reason, you know, or you got 30 other guys on there because they think it's awesome because it's private yeah. and the farmer just lets anybody in Anybody. Yeah. yeah. I don't really like to keep relationships up with farmers. Yeah. <laughs> I just like to go when I want to go and just do what I want. And I'm, my aggressive style of hunting, uh, I need a lot of spots because I, I blow out deer, a lot of deer sometimes. Sometimes yeah. I don't, but sometimes I do. Yeah, and that's the thing about hunting private that is like public, because I can roll up to public and some guy can tell me, "Hey, dude, I've been hunting here for thirty years," and I'd be like, "I don't care. It's public, right?" Like I would say, "Oh, okay, yeah, cool, okay, I'll try to." I'll try to avoid this area next time on my way, but man, if it's good, it's public, right? You can say that it's public, yeah. but on a, a piece of property that is public or private, you could like, if someone's been hunting there 30 years and then the landowner lets you hunt, I don't know, man, it, it's just tough. It's cause it's not public and you can't say, Hey man, I have the same permission you know, you could say I have the same permission as you, but what you don't want is that guy going back to the landowner telling that landowner that you're a dickhead. And then, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it's just like, yeah. uh, you cause drama right away. It's happened to me. And then you're gone, man. You're just out of there. But I hunt so much differently than most people. Like, yeah, I'm never going to be in that guy's spot. Like if the guy's been hunting that one area for 30 years, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm going to be doing my own thing with the mobile gear I'm really aggressive. I'm getting them tight on like buck bedding and stuff like that. And most guys don't hunt that way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So we know that you're a public land guy. We know that you're extremely aggressive. We know that you're a, a saddle guy. Okay. Yep. You're a bow hunter and, and you're extremely mobile. I think I already said that, but anyway, here today, I don't want to talk about hunting strategy, and I know some of this some of this plays a role in your strategy, but I've never really heard you talk specifically about the gear that you use throughout the throughout the year. I know you work for uh, Tethered, or you've worked with Tethered, or you have a relationship with Tethered. You're now working with Osseo, um, and so maybe we'll cover that stuff a little bit because I want, I want to talk about stuff. Like, obviously you're going to say good things about tethered and obviously you're going to say good things about Osseo, but I want to get into some of the other products uh, and how you make your decision. And I think the, the place where I want to start is how do you make your decision on what arrow setup and a broadhead arrow fletching setup you use every year? So, I'm a big component of knowledge kills deer, not gear. Yeah. So I am not a gearhead guy. Uh, my big saying is hunt, hunt deer, not gear. Like I don't, I'm not a big like tweaker on gear and stuff. So I just get by with what I have confidence in. Mm -hmm. 
I do look at a lot of reviews and I do some testing stuff. Um, but to me, I don't like the fiddle. So the less fiddle factor I have, like my arrow setup, I just do what I want. Like I don't let uh, inf outside influences really. There's certain things I look for. So arrow setup, I like really fast arrows that shoot really fl uh, flat. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the less tuning I got to do, the better. So I lean towards mechanicals. But I got a 33-inch draw, man. So, like, my hunting setup's over 300 feet per second, which is where I want to be. And it'll it'll punch through anything just about. Like, it'll just zip right through them with the mechanicals. I have to shoot full shaft arrows. Like, I can't cut them because my draw is so long. Yep. I don't So It's really hard to get FOC, which I don't really care about anyways. I just want to keep it. So I like the lighter uh, grains per inch arrow shafts to get the weight down. Because when you're hunting public land, you can't cut shooting lanes. And if I see a little hole I got to shoot a buck through, I want to have confidence my arrow's going to go through that hole and not like rainbow over the top of it Yeah. and, and hit a bunch of stuff. So I, that's main mainly my reason for the speed. So you're you're looking at more of a flatter trage trajectory, and the good thing about shooting faster is at your draw length and your arrow length, you don't necessarily need a heavier arrow because your arrow is heavy already because you don't have to cut it down at all. Yeah, that's correct. It's oh. pumping out all kinds of kinetic energy. Like, yeah. And then, um, see, the yardage judgment doesn't have to be as precise. Yeah. Like, if I'm by like five yards, I'm still going to, I'm still going to hit the deer. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's something nobody talks about, especially in today's world where heavy ass arrows are, it, it, I don't know. That's that's what's going on right now, and I'm I'm a firm believer in heavy ass arrows. But I also have a like I don't have a 33 inch draw. I have a 30 inch draw, and yeah. I dude I'm I'm packing heat on my arrow right, and I also shoot a mechanical. It's hauling ass. Yeah, it probably is not going as fast as yours, but I'm confident that when it hits something, it's going through. Because before that, man, I had a scary situation with the biggest deer of my life. And I didn't get penetration and the arrow was fast as shit, but it had nothing behind it and it hit bone and it was game over. And so the neighbor shot him the next year. Right. So, so I've had, I, I like how you said what you're confident in. Right. And yeah. so when, with that setup, uh, what, what broadhead do you normally shoot? I use a G five dead meat. Okay. G five. And then what's your arrow? Uh, it's, uh, Zinger uh, Fletchings make them. Cantana arrows, I think it's called. Okay. I can I can never pronounce it right, but they make an, and they have a new arrow out this year that I'm using. It's like a two oh four uh diameter arrow. Okay. Two fifty spines are what I shoot. Okay. And and then you use a uh three fletch combination? Yeah, I use the Zingers. Oh fletching. Zingers. Okay, cool. Cool. And so you like it quick, uh you like it flat. And you like it fast. Um, and then in some of these public spots that you're hunting, right? You know, I'm guessing that you're not taking 40, 50 yard shots. 
I have uh, furthest I've shot a bucks is uh, sixty yards. So sometimes I will. Some, sometimes you will. Okay. And so, uh, even out that far, you're confident with that arrow setup. Oh yeah, it's oh, yeah. Right to the two bucks I shot past fifty. No problem. Yeah. Okay. And then obviously, any if you're confident out that far, then anything inside is just automatic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just smoking up, <laughs> zipping right through there. Okay. And I mean. I'm a proponent of uh, if I don't get the right shot, I'm not going to take the shot. Like, I'm taking my time. I don't really shake when the deer's coming in. I'm so focused on the deer's body language. What's its tail, ears? Do I have to stop it or not? When's it going to hit my wind? Like, I'm so keyed in on what the deer's doing and when I need to shoot. Like, I'm pretty steady. I just, and then I lose it after I shoot the deer, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, that's a big component of... uh Keeping your cool will really help you make a lot better shot. I wait for the right angles. You know what I mean? I try yeah. to use the best judgment I can when I actually decide when I'm going to shoot or not. Yeah. Yeah, man. And then what that does is it takes any guessing uh, on whether or not, if you can maintain that type of composure and wait for the perfect shot, you know, then you don't have to worry about, then you, then you know your, your gear is going to perform uh, except like when a marginal shot happens, yeah. you know, and then, you know, you just hope, Oh geez, man. And well, I hope I got what I needed to, to recover this animal. So, um, and, and it is bow hunting. I mean, stuff happens sometimes yeah. you hit a limb or whatever, but just with my draw length and the speed and that I'm still shooting like just over 500 grains. So yeah. I still have some weight behind it. Like I'm confident it's going to, it'll zip right through. Yeah. Yeah. So in retrospect, it's still a heavy arrow, but because of your draw length, you get that extra speed on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what, what bow do you shoot? Uh, Matthew's Atlas. Okay. Is, uh, are you, how, how many years old is that bow? Um, two, two or three years old, two or three years old. Are you the kind of guy that likes to go through bows uh, like every year or every other year or do you if if you're comfortable with it do you keep it for a, a long period of time uh this is my only my second bow in like 13 years i had my other bow for like 10 years oh yeah so what was like, it it was a uh struthers bow okay struthers. i remember them yeah he was a designer for a lot of bow companies and he came out with his own custom bows they're really good bows for like a non-name brand bow yeah. And I shot a lot of my big bucks with it. So it's got sentimental value. I still have it and use it sometimes. Yeah. What was it about that specific bow that you liked so much to, to keep it for that many years? It just shoots really good. It has a good braid height. It has a lot of speed. I never had any problems with it. It tunes really easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what was it about this new bow that pulled you away from that, that older one? The other bow uh, didn't fit me as good. I didn't have, I had to do a lot of extra stuff to get close to my draw, but it was never quite long enough. Mm -hmm. So I had to duck my head down to put my nose on the string a little bit. Yeah. And I, and I just wanted better form because when I got that bow, there wasn't really any long draw bows, but now the Atlas came out, like Hoyt has a long draw bow, Bowtech has a long draw bow now. So I just wanted a, a little bit better form and stuff when I'm shooting. So I upgraded to the long draw bow. Yeah. And and what's the axle axle on the new one? Curious. It's like, it's almost 35. Okay. And so that angle then allows you to not have to drop your head down to get to the string. 
as much, right? Yeah. 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 And that bow will go back to 34 inch draw. So okay. I can get, I can get it back a little bit further to get my nose on the string. Yeah. And then do you use a kisser button or a peep sight at all? I don't use a peep sight and I use a nose button. A nose button. Okay. All right. I've never, I've never talked with anybody about the nose button. Uh, describe what that is and then why do you like to use it? So it's just a little round spike that you put on the string. It's like a kisser button, but it has spikes and it's a, it's a lot lighter and smaller than a kisser button. But it goes on your nose, you can pick out where you want it, but your nose is super sensitive. So when that spike hits in there, you get instant feedback on where it is. Mm -hmm. And then I put my like on the inside of my nostril every time. And that'll give me a good anchor because I don't I don't run a peep. So I like to have that second uh anchor point for reference. Gotcha. Okay. And then um what are you using for a release? Uh, I use a wrist rocket. Okay. It's a true ball beast too. Gotcha. And is that a, a hinge release or is that a wrist, a wrist release? It's a wrist. It's a wrist rocket. It's gotcha. got the hook on it. It doesn't have the, I don't like the dual calibers, but I like the hook ones. Okay. So then that, uh, it opens up and releases when you pull the trigger. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. All right, cool. All right. So that's, that's the bow set up and, and all that stuff. Now let's talk about boots. Okay. Uh, are you a rubber boot guy? Are you a hiking boot guy? You know, uh, I take it that you're hunting some potentially wet areas. Uh, how do you, how do you keep your feet comfortable? I use uh my, I got size 16 feet, so it's really hard to find boots. Yeah. I use, I use, uh, squat boots. They're made for, uh, like police officers and stuff. Okay. The one got, they got a waterproof booty inside of them and they make them in my size i like those a lot they've lasted forever I had a, a buddy of mine uh, i talked to on you know, like facebook messenger or whatever that i met online he he was he's a cop and he uh sent me the link and stuff said he really liked him he wore them every day for like five years while he was a police officer so i had a good feedback on that and i've used those two years i don't like rubber boots man i I usually scout for a couple miles every day and then I go in and scout my way in and hunt. Yeah. Rubber boots just are uncomfortable. If I have to go through water, if it's early season, I just go through it. I'll just take my boots off and walk. Okay. Or I got hip waders. I use those. Sometimes I'll use a kayak if I have to go through like a river or lake or something. Okay. All right. Okay. So this has me asking these questions. Okay. So you got giant feet. How tall, yeah. are, how tall are you? Six foot eight. Six foot eight, bigger dude. And so is it hard to find hunting gear and equipment that fits, especially bow hunting, which is so, uh, you know, uh, based off of your, your dimensions, is it hard for you to find uh, comfortable and, I guess, equipment that makes you feel confident? Yeah, it can be tough sometimes. I mean, you got to whittle through a lot of different things to try to find but certain certain companies have extra features that'll make it like a normal fit for me mm -hmm. like the Osio gear camo it's got long, longer tails you know so you don't get that backdraft yep so i can wear that and it'll be like a normal shirt mm -hmm. you know for me it'll be long for you but it'll be normal for me yeah um the boots is really hard like i'd love to run like uh christie's and stuff like that but they just don't make it in my size so the foot's the footwear is the hardest part for me to figure out. And the bow, 
the bow was tough until now when I got those long draw bows come out. Um, even the release can be kind of a pain because you got to adjust the release all the way out and some don't go far enough from, I got giant hands, so that can be tough to do, but like all the saddle stuff and platforms, I just use the regular stuff that everybody else uses. So it's not too bad. Yeah. And, and you can get a, like, is it, I mean, even the, I have the, uh, the XL platform from tethered. Yeah. Okay. And so for me, that fits perfect. But I, I also, your your boots are like, I don't know, what do you say, sixteen? So that they're they're three or no, they're four, basically four sizes bigger than my than my shoe. So, I mean, is it hard to move around on that? Even the biggest platforms. I actually used a smaller platform, the original Predator. I like it better than the bigger one. I'm a leaner. I'll run the edges of the platform the whole time. I don't ever stand on it that much unless I got to, like, get on it and spin around to make the weak side shot. Yeah. But I don't know. I can float around pretty good in the tree with the saddle. I've been using it for, like, five years. So just over time, I got really comfortable with it. So mm -hmm. I can move around better than what most guys can. And that long and that added length, will help me on bigger trees because I can actually go around the front of the tree and make a weak side shot and still have one of my feet anchored on the platform. Oh yeah, of course. So I, yeah. So there's obviously benefits of being a saddle hunter and being six, eight because you yeah. can get away from the tree. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And when, I, when I lean too, I look more like just a giant tree branch in my mind when I'm right. Out like that, right. You know? yeah. Right. I just like a big branch. Sometimes a lot of guys will mess with me and they'll say like, I don't even need a tree. I can just stand there. On the ground. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I just stand, I just stand in the, in the woods yeah. and they walk right by me. That's funny. I'm my own tree. <laughs> um, and so let's, let's talk about, I want to talk a, a little bit about the progression of gear that you use. Okay. Were you always like you said five years for five years you you've been into the saddle uh, saddle game what were you using before you were a saddle hunter? Uh, mobile tree stand setup yeah what yeah. was that it was uh I used a lot of the XRP stuff mm -hmm. and then before that I used like the old school like hook together steel ladder steps or the the rapid rails. 50 pound tree stand and I would carry that in like on my back or in one arm. Yeah. And, and then hang and hunt with that. And then before that, you know, I was a typical field edge hunter guy, uh, ladder stands, uh, yeah. presets. But as I progressed in the wanting to kill bigger deer, like I got into the whole mobile game, I got really frustrated with the field edge and all the preset TV type hunting stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just a progression, evolution, if you want to say, into like the high-speed, high-tech uh, mobile game. Yeah. And so you went from the field edge with the ladder stands and whatnot. Then then you went into like uh, uh, a hang-on type yeah. of system that necessarily wasn't like uh, low profile and low, yeah. like low weight. And then the – and you're, you're talking about – the sticks that stack into each other yeah. right and then you would take them down every every yeah. night holy cow that's all i had man like 
I did. I wasn't raised hunting either. My dad's not a hunter. Yeah. Like I got into hunting in my early twenties okay. and I had no mentor, no guidance. Like I pretty much just went out in the woods and just started hunting, you know, like whatever yeah. I saw on TV, DVDs, then talk to guys. And then as I, then you get into the more mobile thing and then you got the Donna like YouTube mm -hmm. and then like some of the more mobile dudes doing that. And then it influenced me to get switched. And then I got tired of carrying around like 50, 60 pounds of crap. It's loud, banging it every time. It about kill you. If you got to go a mile, you know, I'm half dead before I get to the tree. Yeah, for sure. So then what was it about? So it was, it was the mobile guys on YouTube that kind of influenced you to check out saddles and, and a new lighter way of climbing trees. Yeah, so like the going to like the Iowa Deer Classic, going to shows, YouTube, like the just running the heavier gear. Like before I switched in the saddle, I was running like the XOP stuff, like I said. Yeah. It's just really uh I don't know. Even that was pretty heavy and kinda clumsy up in the tree. And there's a I'm so tall too, the eye beams on a tree stand are so short. My knees I'm almost eating my knees when I'm sitting there. Oh yeah. And so when I get down after like sitting there for five six hours i'd just be tore up man you know i'm yeah. all sore and so i i like the saddle idea because it was just it's just way more comfortable for me yeah i never thought about that i mean i'm six foot and i i i can only sit down for so many you know so many minutes or hours before i got to stand up and and shake it up a little bit so um and so you started messing you know, started messing around with saddles. Did you jump right into the ultra lightweight or did you ease in into the saddle game? Uh, like saddle first and then climbing method or climbing method first, then the saddle. How, how did that progression look? Yeah, I just went straight into the saddle and I still had my older climbing sticks that were pretty heavy. Yeah. Okay. Just kind of getting used to it. And then I added it like the high end sticks and then started adding on little pieces of gear here and there to make it more efficient when I'm climbing and setting up and then developing like my own system for saddle hunting. Cause I saddle hunt totally different than a lot of people do. So why is that? What is that difference? I usually hunt really low. Like, okay. I usually don't ever hunt higher than 10 feet. I don't hide behind the tree. I side hunt. I'm on the side of the tree. The deer's usually walking straight at me. Okay. Okay. And I do a little bit different stuff like that. Gotcha. And you feel that the, the saddle allows you to do that better than, let's say, a hang-on wood? Yeah, I feel like the, the saddle, uh, I can get in more trees, like when you're going in blind, moving around. Mm -hmm. I can shoot any direction I want, even though I'm more of a, I predict the trail, like, I have full confidence if the buck comes out, he's coming down that one trail. Okay. And I up for that one shot, but I can still make other shots. It's super lightweight. I can cover tons of ground. I can yeah. move around and quickly. I can just jump right down because I usually carry two sticks in the saddle. So I can be up in a tree hunt in five minutes and I can tear it down. Like if a hot doe comes by 200 yards away, you know, in the rut, I can make that adjustment in 10 minutes and be up ready for the buck to come through yeah, yeah. um 
are situations though where I think a tree stand's a little bit better. I can use a saddle and those, but it's it's just a tool. Like I don't it's not my like saddle hunting, I don't know. A lot of people use it as like an identity. Mm-hmm. I, I look at it as more like it's just my most efficient tool, but sometimes something else might be a little bit better. Yeah. And it's just my preference. Like if you're a killer, man, you're gonna you're gonna kill out of anything. Like I've shot deer out of everything I've used. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then on your climbing sticks, are you, you, you take two, but yeah. you can get fairly high cause you're so tall, right? You could probably yeah. have that first step four feet off the ground. And then your second step, you know, three foot higher than that or whatever, and, and be able to get in it. Um, what, first off, what, what climbing sticks do you use these days? or what climbing sticks are those two specific sticks? And then do you mod them out with aiders or anything like that? So I use a whole variety of climbing sticks because I like the, I've been testing out different sticks. Mm -hmm. So I really like the tethered one sticks. I'll use the B sticks and I'll use uh, some lone wolf custom gear compact sticks. Okay. Depending on like the situation on the lone wolf stuff, I run cable aiders. Okay. On um, B sticks and the tethered ones, there's a company called Backwoods Mobile. They make a three-step aider that'll hook onto the step that's made just for uh, double-step sticks. And I will use that. And then I can get 10 foot with one stick. Like, I could literally just hook that on, reach as high as I can, and climb up on one stick. But I usually carry two because you never know. Like, sometimes I got to be higher or I might find a tree that's – you know, eight foot down in the ditch and you got to get up 20 feet just to hunt 10 feet over top of the bank. Or I hunt hill country. Sometimes you got to get above the crest of the ridge to get your wind and thermals to blow the right way. Exactly. So I like like to be prepared because you never know what you're going to run into. Yeah. If you need to, so you're saying that if you needed to hit those thermals, you need to climb a little bit higher in the tree. Yeah. If you want predominant wind to override thermals yeah that makes sense okay um so basically you use a variety of gear right um a variety of gear to get you in whatever situation that you that that you're in i want to kind of transfer this conversation to um to gear like clothing right like you know base layers and stuff like that What's your, what's your method on, uh, on clothing? So I do zero scent control. Don't give a hoot. I'll take it right out of the box, put it on, go hunt. Yep. My woodsmanship conquers that with like the wind thermals where I walk. Mm-hmm. So I'm not concerned about that clothing. I like Marine, uh, Merino wool or Merino wool blend for my base layers. And then. It just depends on the season. Early season, you know, it's 100 degrees. I probably won't wear the base layers. I just wear, like, the lightweight pants, lightweight hoodie. Yep. As I progress, I'll go, like, into a windproof line, like maybe a little bit heavier pant, a hoodie, and then a vest. I really like a windproof vest. Yeah. Because I'll be cool, and then I get a little chilly. You know, that last hour of dark, I'll throw that vest on because it'll break the wind off me. Because I find the wind is what – is what makes you to the coldest. It takes the heat off your body. Yeah. And then um, when as it gets later, you know, I'll add bibs. I'm a big bib guy, especially if they got the top pockets where I can put my hands because the saddle. Yep. 
So I'll have the jacket. I'll go to like a Sherpa jacket. And then I'll still have the vest in my bag that I can toss on if I get a little chilly then. And I'll have the bibs over top. I pack, I usually pack everything in because I don't want to get all sweaty because that's what makes you cold too. If you're all wet, you don't dry out as good. Yeah. Yeah. And last year I hunted in like 30 below zero. I went to some really heavyweight late season gear. And uh, then you don't want to wear that in, but it was so cold, man. It was like 30 mile an hour winds when we had that Arctic front come through yep. for that days in December. Like I had to wear it in, man. I was sweating ice. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? I still, made, I still made it a couple hours and then got out of there, you know, late season muzzleloader. Yeah. Okay. So that brings me to this point. Okay. Saddle hunting and layering. All right. Yeah. I just am, I'm only, I'm going to say I'm 1.5. I'm not a full year into, into saddle hunting. I, I saddle hunted a little bit last year, this year I'm, I'm getting into it much more. And so my question is how do you layer maybe even before you get to the tree at the bottom of the tree are you wearing your saddle as you're walking to the tree? You get in the tree, you know, it, now the colds, it start, you're starting to get cold. How do you add layers? How do you take layers off in a saddle? Break that down for us. Yeah, so early season, you don't need any layers. You know, it's hot. Right. You're sweating. I wear my saddle in every time. As it transitions to October, maybe the rut, I'm, I'm still wearing my saddle in. I just, I'll beef up a little bit before I go in and I'll just open everything up. Like I'll have my base layers, which I'm counting on the Merino with a little bit of synthetic blend to dry out quick yeah. and it'll still retain heat. And then I open all the vents on the pants. If the jacket's all the way open, I might just have it on me, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I'll go in cause I'm not transitioned to a bigger pack yet during the rut. Mm -hmm. And then I'll have a couple pieces like the vest, you know, a hand muff I'll toss in the bag. Um, but I'll still have primarily my main layers on me when I go. I'll just take my time, man. I like to go in early. I mean, it's not everyone's scenario. You get off work, you know, you got to run out there like crazy. Yeah. You, I don't know. That's different than what I do. I like to go in really early and take my time getting into my setup. So I'm not getting as hot as a lot of guys are. Yeah. Um, and then as it gets colder and colder, I'll switch to a big backpack and then I'll pack the bibs, the coat, the saddle. And then I'll, I'll stop like maybe a hundred, 200 yards out from what tree I think I want to hunt. And then I'll get everything on. Then I don't like to get dressed at the base of the tree just cause I'm so close to like bedding and stuff. Yeah. So I'll get dressed further out and then I'll go in and get set up. Um, if I'm in the tree and I get a little cold, I just toss it on top of me. Even if the it bunches up on the bridge, like I don't really care about that that much. Okay. What about pants? Like, have you ever? Is there a way to put pants on over top of the saddle, or stand up, take the saddle off, stay connected to the tree, and put it on, or or are you just all that's on when like your pants are on before you get in the tree? Yeah, my pants are already on. I'm not walking out there in my Speedos, you know. <laughs> no, pants are already on. I'll maybe I'll wear lighter weight pants and then put the bibs on before I get to the tree. Yeah. And I can open the bibs up, too. You can open the legs up and dump the heat out. And the, 
the top part you can leave unzipped. Yeah. And I'll, maybe I'll add the jacket when I get there, but I'll have the bibs on. I do it there. Like, I don't do it one specific way, I guess. Whatever hits me that day, you know? Yeah. I mean, I might try this or that or the other. It depends on how cold it is. If it's super cold, you can wear that midweight stuff and still get away with it, you know, if you go slow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is there any type of... Like obvious, I mean, now you're working with Osseo. Are you like a? Are you a, a fan of camo? Do you like solids? Is there? Do you have a preference? So, I, I just believe movement's your number one thing. Like, yeah, no matter what you wear, if you move or your wind's wrong, you're gonna get busted. Uh, camouflage, I, I think where its big component is if you do move and it's a micro movement, you can get away with it more. Yeah. And like if the deer looks up at you, you just blend in with the tree. Yeah. Some camo patterns really stand out. Like you can spot them a mile away. I don't like those. I like a more natural, like Osseo gears based off of an owl's feather pattern. Okay. Okay. And, uh, and they hunt squirrels and rabbits and they see the same way deer do. So, I mean, we're hunting out of trees for deer. They're hunting out of, trees for their meals and then i like super quiet everything's got to be silent because i'm bow hunting and i like to set really close like i'm shooting a lot of deer at like three to five yards like pretty much right underneath me almost yeah okay so it's got to be quiet and where the clothing shines is just the fabrics uh the quality the pocket placement to me the functionality of the camo is more important than the camo exactly yeah. I agree. So I wanna, yeah, it's got to be 100% windproof. It's got to be warm. It's got to be a lighter weight. The more premium insulations, you know, they weigh a lot less than like Walmart camo. You know, it's a right. lot bulky. Doesn't dry out. Doesn't breathe as good. Like, there's a lot of advantages to going like to a premier, premium camo besides just the camo. Like the clothing is what yeah sells it for me. Yeah, the the quality of the fabric, the the construct of the garment and how, you know, how it's made. And then if it's, you know, like I like to have, I like to have a pocket right here on my chest yeah. so I can stuff a grunt tube down in it. Cause I don't like having my, I have, I like having my grunt tube. Like if, so I, I wear a, a bino pack and then okay. I put my binos in there and then off to my right side, it'd be my right side. My right side is my range finder attached to that. And then usually it's a grunt tube on the other side of it. Cause that's, those are like the things that I use all the, all that stuff's the things that I use the most. Wow. And so I, I just like having that up tight where it's just, you know, minimal movement. If I need to, if there's other deer around me and I need to grunt at a, you know, at a, yeah, a, a buck or so. So, um, yeah. And, um, the, the cut too, like different materials, like the way the clothing is like, it's designed to help you still climb when it's really cold. Mm-hmm. It might have, like, and then when you draw, you know, late season jacket, a lot of them, when you draw, you can't get your damn arm to fully extend. Yep. So like having that spandex part right here where you can actually get the draw, having it in your, in the bibs and the knees so you can actually climb like stuff, little stuff like that, that a lot of companies overlook that stuff I look for. Like I got to be able to move because I mobile hunt. Yeah. So it's got to be able to have really good flexibility. So I, there's certain things I look for when I'm looking at clothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, comfort is king. 
I mean, I, you got to be comfortable in the tree because if you're not, then you're thinking about that and not what to do when the deer yeah. walks in. So, um, you run trail cameras at all? Yeah, I do run some. Okay. What, what brand do you like? Oh man, I've tried a bunch, uh, SD card cameras. I just run whatever's I can buy. I like the Tascos are cheap. Someone steals them. Who cares? Whatever. Yeah. Cell cams. I like, I run tactic cams for cell cams right now. Yeah. But there's some, there's a bunch of good cell cams. I'm looking at some different companies just to try out, but I mostly run the tactic cams at the moment. Yeah. And, uh, have they performed pretty well for you? I've heard, I've heard a lot of good things about the, ta- the tactic cams. Yeah, they were, they were good. I've never had any major issues with them really. Yeah. Are, are in some of the places that you hunt, are you able to get good uh, cell service with even like with one bar? Yeah, I still get in places. I don't even get cell phone service. I'll get the service on the camera. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. And so then your other method is, uh, cheap. Not, I wouldn't say cheap, but maybe like affordable, really yeah. affordable cameras that if someone messes with, it's not a big deal. Yeah, like the task is like 30 bucks at Walmart. Like, yeah. whatever, man. I mean, I it sucks to lose 30 bucks and the batteries are like almost as much as the camera. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. $12 SD card that I hate to lose, but it is what it is, man. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I think a lot of that is the style of hunting. Like for me... I love getting pictures of velvet uh, camera or velvet deer. I love, I love getting crisp pictures. I love it, but I don't require it because the only thing that I care about, especially when season starts is that I can identify the deer. The picture doesn't have to be perfect. I just want to identify the deer and go shooter and then move in on them. You know what I mean? I do the same thing. Like I use cameras to inventory areas. Yeah. I don't, I don't use it to hunt. I think when you start using cameras to hunt, you're in for, a, you're going down a bad road, man. Cause those cameras will fool you. Yep. Like, um, if you're a scouting and you see a good spot and you were like, Oh, I'm going to throw a camera up. No, you should probably hunt it first and then put the camera up. Cause a lot of times you'll get the picture of that big buck, you know, you get a shooter on camera right away daylight but he smelled you man you're done and that deer never comes back or he changes his pattern where if you would have hunted that spot first you would have killed that deer and if nothing showed up you could just throw a camera up you know to see what comes through later and you can move on down the road and start hunting somewhere else yeah yeah i I mean i'll be honest i i use trail cameras pretty heavily the information that i get from them um I, I, I think I do a good job of not letting trail cameras necessarily influence how I approach a property. Like, Oh my God, there's all this good sign, but I got a picture of a good deer way down here. Well, I don't know why he was down there. I just know that all the sign is right here. So, you know, I'm going to go set up over the sign or whatever, but, um, I can definitely see how trail cameras will, negatively influence people's decisions on where where to hunt yeah and those i get a lot of guys are like oh i'm gonna go hunt today but i have nothing on camera well it's only a 20 yard snapshot into the woods like you could have a giant buck going by 20 yards behind the camera every day 
like you should use you should use your woodsmanship skills way more than relying on the camera yeah and here's a perfect example of that i was trying to get a thief a trail camera thief on camera okay and okay. so i set a trail camera up no no cable lock on it i was trying to get this person to steal my camera and then i had another trail camera up in a tree behind me pointing down like the same wow. level that i would treat uh so unless he would look up at the tree he wouldn't yeah you know. i got you anyway so i i get this guy on camera he le he leaves it alone he doesn't steal it but the other thing that i found is that there were a couple bucks, and I mean great bucks, that were walking behind the tree that I that my trail camera was on. And based off of the, the trail camera that was low, I would have said, oh, there's no good deer in this area. But the one up above facing down on him caught these deer going behind the trail camera. And I, I would have never thought those deer were in the area if I if I invested all of my uh, decisions on that trail on trail cameras. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that happens a lot of times. Like if the, like you said, if the signs there, I'm hunting it. Sometimes uh, a lot of those old mature bucks don't lay down a lot of sign. Like yeah. they're kind of like ghosts in the woods. They all have their own personalities. So that's why I rely on more of like, I don't know, the layout of the terrain, so woodsmanship tracks, things like that over the camera. The camera's just like, I just want one photo. If I get one photo of a deer that I'm interested in, then I'll go from there and try to figure them out on my own. Right. Are there any other products that you've picked up, whether it's for your mobile, whether it's back at the truck, whether it's at, you know, home that you you've made a recent purchase on and you're kind of like, oh, man, this thing's pretty neat. Um, so I hang my cameras pretty high in the tree, like 10 feet. I, a company called Good Sit Mobile, they make a camera bracket that has a it's a plate that you zip tie on the back of your camera and it has a big screw and you can turn it and it'll level, it'll level and angle the camera down. Then they got a laser you can put on it. So I'll put my backpack down on the ground and use the laser to hit the backpack. So I can set up my cameras like 10 times faster. Okay. That's sweet. So it's a, a, a trail camera accessory. Yeah, it looks like it's just, it looks just like that. Okay. So is it, um, is it one of these, uh, huh, how do you screw it into the tree? So it has a strap that goes on there. It zip ties to the camera. Uh, you run a paracord strap on it. That's how it hooks to the tree. Okay. On the strap. Then you turn this knob right here and it'll angle the camera for you. Then you can put the laser on the camera and then you can laser it out. I gotcha. Okay. That's a lot faster from just set cameras. And then, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of different, I got really big in like 3d printed stuff like that. Genesis 3d has a bunch of like accessory hooks. Like I hang my platform on the back of my saddle. It's like my favorite accessory. It's just a hook like this. Oh, okay. So the, the front of the platform will just hook in there and this will hang in the Molly on the back of your saddle. And then I can hang the the platform right in the middle of my saddle in the back. And then I can have sticks on the side when I'm climbing up, and I can just pull my platform right off. And That's awesome. Tree. And there's all kinds of, like, 3D printed stuff, man. <laughs> like, they got quiver holders now for, like, the Matthews quivers. Um, Andrew Blair from Tethered made it. You can slide the 
the back uh, button on the quiver into it to hold it on the hitch strap. Yeah. You got all kinds of like bow holders and stuff. Like Tethered has that little quick draw bow holder that's I use on my bow. Okay. So me, it's like the little things is what I look for, like efficiency. Yeah. The details. But yeah, that's yeah. what matters to me the most. Like I don't really have any like huge things where I'm like, oh yeah, it's some giant. It's always like the little tiny thing that shaves off like a minute here, a minute there, or it just makes it easier for me to get in and out of the tree. That's uh that's most important to me, I think. Yeah. This is a random question, but do you carry water or food with you when you when you hunt? I do not. I'll never have. I just don't I just don't need it. No water. Never, no water, man. Like Holy shit. I die, dude. How far are we going in? I can go four I could go in two miles and out two miles and I don't need water, man. I just <laughs> never have the need for it. If I break my leg and I'm laying out there, I'm just gonna die. <laughs> I'll just break my own pee or something. I don't know, man. Oh man. It's man. a lot more weight, sloshes around. Like I just don't wanna deal with it. Food. I just don't get hungry out there, man. Like I'm there to hunt. That's my sole mission is to hunt. I'm so focused on hunting that I could care less about all the other crap. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. If I walked in, <laughs> put up a tree stand, climbed or, you know, did a full mobile setup, not that they're hard, but get up there and then you just kind of wait, especially if it's early season, and you're getting pounded by sun or something. I get I I I'm, I get thirsty and I'm not afraid to carry some extra weight. I usually, I don't know, like a, a thermos. I guess you would call this like a yeah some little algae. water container. Yeah, an algae bottle. Yeah, and I don't know how many ounces this is, but I'd say it's about you know 24 plus ounces of of water. So that's what I I like to take. But hey, man. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and BS with us about some of the gear that you use and uh, good luck this upcoming season, man. I hope you slay. Yeah. I appreciate it, bud. And anytime, man. Appreciate you having me on.